My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things. Streaming Things. Streaming Things. (laughs) Streaming Things. The very best Stranger Things recap podcast on the market. But you can't tell because you're not rating and reviewing to help us out and let other people know that we exist. So please do that. We're putting you on blast. Blasting them. (laughs) Master blasting them. (laughs) <laughs> so if you're driving right now, pull out your phone <laughs> and immediately five star us <laughs> after pulling over. But you could do that because that's how simple it is. No, really, please help us. There's a, quite a large number of Stranger Things podcasts out there now. And I truly believe we are the best. Uh, and if you believe that, if you've had a good time listening to us, you brought you some laughs, some joy uh, and a lot of deeper insights into the show that you love. You can help us out. Uh, and also, you know, take time if you want to email streamingthingspod at gmail.com and let us know what you think of the show, what you like, what you'd like to hear more of um, and things like that. We would absolutely love to hear more from our listeners. Steve, our wonderful co-host, is back. You didn't even know he was gone, <laughs> but he's back. Where'd he go? <laughs> Where did you go, Where'd Steve? He go? Well, I did a thing that some people do in life called mm. getting married. Nice. Oh. I got married this month. Huge. And, uh, yeah. Uh, my lady that I've known and been dating for about like seven years now mm. finally tied the knot and we went to Mexico for the honeymoon. How are you going to get it out? Get what out? The knot. Get the knot out? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I think I'm supposed to leave it. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. The metaphorical knot, but okay. So congratulations to Steve. And if you would like to send wedding gifts, you can email streaming things pod. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> That's how dedicated he is. Is He went on a honeymoon, got married before it. And uh, right in the middle between episodes five and six. And you didn't even notice because that's how dedicated to this show he is. So the least you could do is subscribe, rate and review and tell all your friends. That's what I feel like. So anywho, this is chapter six, The Monster, which Netflix describes as a frantic Jonathan looks for Nancy in the darkness. But Steve's looking for her, too. Hopper and Joyce uncover the truth about the lab's experiments. And this episode was written by Jesse Nixon Lopez. Just throwing that out there. A little cred. <laughs> that was a kind of a clunkier synopsis that we've gotten. Uh, yeah. I could have read it more shitty. It's been, you know, I'm a little rusty. I'll take it upon myself. But yeah, it wasn't the best for sure. <laughs> Jonathan's looking too. Or who's, so who was looking too? Somebody's looking too. And Steve's looking for her too. Uh, yeah, you're right. Maybe that's what it is. Like, <laughs> they didn't care at all on that one. And Steve's looking too. <laughs> and Will's still out there. They just start rambling things. The Netflix guy's <laughs> drunk. The monster thing, which is why I called it the monster. Hey, you like egos? This is the one. This is the episode <laughs> where the egos like are like a thing. Like a big thing. <laughs> you're going to love it. Editor's note, go over this one more time before submitting. <laughs> How'd they get in their shit? Just publishing all. <laughs> uh, so we got a Nancy call straight off the bat. Yeah. Uh, if you listened to the show before, you know why that's funny. If you're starting at episode six like a savage, that makes zero sense. Uh, so we start off, Nancy's missing. Uh, according to Jonathan, the audience, we, we know where he is. 
Um, and apparently the auditory, uh, you know, noises crosses boundaries between the upside down and the right side up. Mm. Can we call it the right side up? <laughs> I think we should. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of that. It only makes sense. Uh, did we know this before? So Will has been just listening to everything. Yeah. We can assume because Nancy can hear. It. Is it? Is there like a vicinity rule? Well, there there was that one episode where Will was talking to Joyce True. through the. Oh, but he, of course but he we almost, knew he could hear her. Yeah, but he, he at the time almost had like a window that he was yeah. speaking through at the time, right? Because she like yeah. clawed through the, well, the, yeah, the but, wallpaper. But we've known he could hear her this whole time. That's how she mm-hmm. communicated with the lights. That's and true. She was able to ask those horrible and appropriate yeah. questions that he couldn't answer. <laughs> um, so. I yes guess. or no questions. Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> if you're in the upside down version of a room, anyone in that room, you can hear. I suppose or is so, it, yeah. You know, I guess that would make sense. Imagine the things that you could hear if you could evade capture from the Demogorgon. You could hear all kinds of unfortunate things. I feel like it should be louder in the upside down from what we've seen. I guess he's in the woods of the upside down a lot yeah. of the time. Anywho, just trying to, I always try to keep a handle on the rules, <laughs> you know, of the upside down because that's important. You know, we, uh, we usually do will call. After this segment, mm-hmm. um, but there were no will calls. But we, I did tally the Nancy and <laughs> Jonathan calls. Uh, Let's do it. Uh, Nancy, Nancy call. was called. Jonathan called for Nancy specifically uh, fourteen times. Wow, that's a short scene for that. Um, well, two of those were towards later on in the in the episode. But uh, Nancy called for old Jaybird uh, ten times. <laughs> wow, they're just the love sparks are flying. Yeah. Whoever, what was the screenwriter's name? Uh, Jesse Nixon Lopez. Jesse Nixon Lopez. She had copy paste. <laughs> <laughs> Control V on Nancy. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder how much of that is ad libbed calls. You know, mm-hmm. like you're freaking out, you know, or because as a screenwriter, that would be really frustrating. Yeah. Nancy. Kind of- <laughs> Nancy. Nancy. <laughs> Nancy. <laughs> but before you write Nancy, you'd have to write Jonathan because that's who's saying it. Like Jonathan says, yeah. Nancy. Right. Yeah. Jonathan continued. Nancy. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, uh, screenwriter jokes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we all got them. We all got screenwriter jokes. <laughs> Don't you think? Wasn't the gate already closed? And it, I mean, I'm not going to pick nits here with the, with the goo gates. It but did close at the end of the last episode. At the close episode. of the last episode, mm-hmm. it had sealed. Mm-hmm. And yet, at the there opening was. of this one, I don't think it the, bark, the bark had sealed. Like the kind of stringy, gooey center of the portal had kind of come together, but the bark hadn't closed over. Oh. It, was, it was closing at the end of that mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. And I thought that, that that was a dope way to end it. The, yeah. the effects yeah. looked really cool. So that was but. really a cheap move, I felt like, because it's like, she's, how is she going to get out? And then it's like, right back out the hole. <laughs> moving on with the story. <laughs> you know, but they know you're binging, so it's kind of a. Um, if that had been a season ender, you know, I heard uh, I listened to Joanna Robinson and uh, Dave Chen talk about Game of Thrones a lot. And I just thought this is relevant. I promise. So she had a smart thing um, where The Walking Dead, what they had done with the end of what was it, season six when you didn't know who Negan had killed. Yeah, that was grievous. Right. Mm. Just unforgivable bullshit, you know, because you have to wait upwards of 10 months, I think, to, to find out. Whereas there was a huge cliffhanger that really wasn't much of one. It was a really lame one, much like this in Game of Thrones. This past season? Season seven. And she was like, not the same because you only have to wait a week. 
You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's I think I know which one you're talking minor about. Minor boo-boo. And I don't know if they've, you know, the listeners at home have seen Game of Thrones, so I don't want to talk much more about it. But right. there was a cliffhanger that was really not a cliffhanger that, you know, anyway. So in Stranger Things, by that rule, would be even less of an error because you conceivably can click right away. So yeah. anywho, uh, I just want to make sure I wasn't crazy because I thought it had closed. Uh, so then we cut to um, Steve checks the house. Well, I guess there's lots more to talk about there with Nancy. Uh, if you want to talk about her on the Upside Down doll. Yeah, she she sees the monster eating the deer, which he had um, also already seen it and fled mm-hmm. in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. So we kind of got almost like that section hadn't happened. It was being reshot in this episode. Yeah. I felt like I do have a question. Is the monster blind? We talked about that on think on the last episode okay. going back and forth. It's that's true. I think it is because it has no fucking eyeballs. Right. That. Yeah. That. And it's how could it not see Nancy like run straight forward and go, oh, first tree. Right. Hide behind, and then it just doesn't see her. Mm-hmm. And then we see later in this episode some more blindness because he's just munching away on a Kit Kat bar or whatever. And <laughs> uh, Eleven has to like poke him. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. He later doesn't on like, the episode. sense her at all because she's not bleeding. Mm-hmm. Must um, be deaf, too. How does he not eat Eleven? She's always bleeding. <laughs> that's a good point. Oh, Maybe that's why that's, he was drawn to her. Yeah, that's how the gate opened, bro. The bloody noses. Yeah, but it wasn't her. It was like no, a... Was, uh, I don't know. There's a lot about the, the science of the Upside Down and the monster. I think they 11. do a, a great job with the rules. I really do. Well, they, they follow the rules, but they're, they haven't revealed a lot of the the minutia of how those mm-hmm. rules work, even through this season. So it, 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 they've shown us enough to where it's still intriguing. Um, but we also want to learn more. We're going to go much deeper into the Upside Down season two, you're saying. Mm -hmm. I hope so. I hope so. So then, yeah, so Nancy, she, rather quick rescue, yanks her right back out of that reclosed hymen and (laughs) (laughs) to to embrace Jonathan, uh, and they flee. Um, So then we cut to Steve looking uh, very sincere, trying to find out where his girlfriend has gone, and he climbs up his little... um, you know, his, his, his ninja ways to get up on yeah. top of the roof. He's old. He's much more polished ninja skills. This Make time. it on this air conditioner. Yeah. Vent. Uh, I've already charted this course. Uh, so no big deal. You know, friends waiting, <laughs> waiting in the car is too dangerous for you. <laughs> <laughs> and he spots her and very much misreads the situation with her and not uh, Jonathan. Just in time to see the old arm, the old comforting arm. Yeah. Reach. Be, the, the, <laughs> I almost said reach around. No, no, no. How could he misread that? <laughs> <laughs> the cuckolding, comforting arm of Jonathan Byers. Uh, very, very chagrined uh, was Steve. So then... Uh, we cut to uh, Joyce questioning Hopper about his uh, foray into Hawkins' laboratory. And she's very, very smoky, very stressed, trying to just squeeze as much out of Hopper as she can. And uh, she, she questions him about the drawings, and that's her big linchpin. We're finding out that, that, that it's not Will, because he's like, she's like, wait, you didn't say there was a drawing. He's like, who gives a fuck about the drawing? What was on the drawing? I don't know, some stick people. Not Will. Yeah. I'll go get some Will drawings he, to show you. He makes some dope-ass drawings. Let me show you. <laughs> i put the shit on the fridge. <laughs> yeah, so you think she went to the fridge there? Almost assuredly. <laughs> Unless it was in the Will file. Well, she they were like in a, a giant stack of papers. Like, she was collecting yeah. that stuff. And then Hopper's like, I don't know, some pretty shitty fireballs. That's what I was thinking, too. Like, are, they, are these cabbages? <laughs> They're green. <laughs> it's, well, it's Will colorblind? This is a clue. <laughs> so, no, we're poor. He didn't have red crayons. No. Mm. So then the, uh, the drawings vindicate her and that it's not Will. 
uh, it's, he, he finds out that he's been chasing after some other kid, which I thought was a large leap in logic, like exactly to exactly what had been going on. Mm-hmm. But believable because Hopper's such a great detective. Yeah, and he's got the the little the tidbit from um, knowing about the Ivers case because they researched it in the library. Oh, like uh, Terry Ives. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, did I say Ivers? My bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he knows that there is a girl that's been he alleged did. missing. Um, there's the mm-hmm. the witness saying that the, uh, it could have been Will, but it was a shaved kid in a gown. So I mean, it's a pretty logical step. Like, well, maybe this isn't the same child, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it just it seemed like a, to put a lot together for the audience, you know, a very expositiony. Like maybe I've been chasing some other kid this whole time, and it was very, you know, what I mean? which mm-hmm. is great. I had the feeling they wanted me to have. I was just aware of it this mm-hmm. time. Like you have, Hoppa. You know? <laughs> he looks right at the camera and nods. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> Huzzah! You know, uh, which was that's fine. Stranger Things just becomes like an awful Dora the Explorer type thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the map, <laughs> right straight out of Jonathan's backpack. I'm the map of the tiny town. Um. <laughs> Uh, cut to the sleepover at Nancy's is what I'm calling it. So Jonathan very slyly decides that he's going to stay over to. Uh, uh, he kind of invites himself. Yeah. I know <laughs> while she's taking a shower, yeah. <laughs> he, gets, he gets in. He gets in her closet, pulls out the grandmaliest blanket I've ever seen in my life, yeah. and he's just tucking himself. Oh, is this cool? Oh, I thought this was okay. <laughs> I, just, I just figured you want a big strapping man like myself. <laughs> yeah, right. Because I'm such a great shot. You need me here. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the condoms? <laughs> He's the one sleeping with the gun in that scene. Like, she should be scared for her fucking life. Yeah, like the way he kind of snuggles up to that gun. Yeah. At the especially at the end of that scene, I, that my whole thought was, was, you know, they're in much more danger now with him just sleeping. Like, oh, let me just, <laughs> one bad dream, and they're the deer. <laughs> but you know she did she had wanted him to to stay so so he was correct in that assumption and uh that's a really cute, cute moment too where she's mm-hmm. just want to come up here which is the start of many a porno but mm-hmm. that is not uh, i felt like the scene did a great job of i think there was a lot of subtext there where it was clearly not sexual at all right mm-hmm. they had just been through a horrible ordeal and they're friends comforting one another but you know that he feels some kind of way about nancy and having been a 16, 17 year old boy before, you know what I mean? Even amidst all that turmoil, I, I saw on his face like a, like, she smells pretty nice. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, not to be creepy, but I just, a, a certain amount, like, cause he's kind of staring at her. Yeah. The, the shot lingered on like him, her trying to sleep in him wide eyed. Like, you know, she's so close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, should I comfort more? Like, just. I, I thought the the scene also played well where it kind of establishes, yes, there might be some romantic undertones on his part, mm-hmm. um, but it also does a great job of showcasing that these are still children. Mm-hmm. Um, you see Nancy's stuffed animals in the background, yeah. and there's that one point where I think she asks him something along the lines of like, aren't you scared too? And he's like, yeah. This is very honest, like, I'm trying to be manly yeah. and protective, Super but scared. I'm scared out of my mind. Mm, right. So, it, yeah, that, it is a really great scene. And he was a gentleman. He's on top of the covers and she, you know, and she's underneath. And I just, I just thought it was very well done. Uh, very tasteful. Uh, so then we cut to Mike, very angry, pretending to kick the shit out of Eleven. <laughs> was anyone else uncomfortable yeah. this time around? Well, I don't think he was kicking the shit out of Eleven. I think he was just knocking mm, down the that's fort. right where she sleeps. And it was a big pile of blankets that looked like 
her. <laughs> and he just, boom, that was my uh, sound effects of my kicking. That's good. Yeah. You think it was bullseye Mike? Brent Reed. Yeah. <laughs> what the? <laughs> Cut back to Hopper and uh, Joyce, I believe at a phone booth on the side of the road. So on the hunt for Terry Ives. Uh, the lady who was involved in MK Ultra, so he's you know he's back on the case, which is where Hopper is uh, is best at grieving. So, so uh, she, she sued them, right? Like she yes. sued them. Yeah, okay. she tried to sue Dr. Brenner and Hawkins Laboratory unsuccessfully. Unsuccessfully. Yeah. Uh, so then we cut to uh, Nancy again, uh, very conveniently figuring out exactly. What's up with the blood and the Demogorgon that, you know, the yeah. audience has known for a few episodes or has put together, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Maybe not because I've seen it before. So maybe that's why I picked up on it so quickly. Uh, but she only has as evidence Barb and the deer. And then she's able to surmise that this otherworldly beast that she's seen for a couple of seconds and, and was completely feared for her life. She puts all that together to the fact that it senses blood. Mm-hmm. And then she pulls out this little notebook about shark is one part per million of blood is all it needs. And it's, it looks like a shark. I thought, I don't know. I just, I didn't know how I felt about that scene. It was just like, it's like it hunts at night, like a coyote or a wolf, but no, it is alone. It's just more like a bear, but nay, there's blood that it senses. It's more like a shark. And <laughs> I don't know. what do you guys think about that little uh, puzzle piece? Uh, well, I think that they've uh, set up for the audience very much so that it's drawn to blood, like with the drip of blood from Barb, the bloody deer, mm. Eleven's bloody nose. Um, but uh, as far as like how quickly she figured that out, eh, a little quick, but it's a, I put it up about the same as uh, Hopper realizing how quickly he did that there's another child. You know what I mean? Mm. It's just like, okay, we are reaching the point of no return for these characters, we have to establish that they at least halfway know what's going on so we can begin the the hunt in earnest sure. for the monster. It's very so. easy to grant, especially if you're immersed in the plot for mm-hmm. the first time. So minor little nit to pick there. I loved her books, though. Yeah, I, I had those type of nature books when I was growing up where it's just a pure, like, artistic drawing. Yeah. Like, oh, that's a scary shark. I'm going to learn a lot from this tiny paragraph underneath this giant picture. <laughs> uh, so then the social work assassin yeah, comes for Mr. Clark. Oh, I know. You, you, she opens that door. And it's like, ah, oh, you get away from Mr. Clark. I, know. And I imagine watching that scene the first time was terrifying. It was. I remember that scene. Cause as soon as I had so much nostalgia when he opens the door and it's, and yeah. it's him, like, I remember thinking the first time I saw this, like, you get away from him. He's a saint. Don't you dare. That's a sweet, sweet man. Don't you Benny him. (laughs) No. Who's going to play with the radio? So I got to stop here because I think I missed something because I grant too much. uh, I I grant too much acumen to the Duffer brothers to grant the huge. I don't remember because I've been waiting for Steve to return. So we, we cut off our flow a little bit. How the fuck the the the, uh, the Hawkins Laboratory and all of their uh, minions knew about Dustin and the boys? Um, they uh, went to the school and investigated the burnt up Heath kit, um, and they had overheard the kids trying to talk to eleven or not eleven Will to Will through, the, through mm-hmm. their you know bugs or whatever. Yeah, it's one of those scenes where you see a bunch of people 
smoking, looking at like computers, and you just see the back of their chairs as they listen mm-hmm. while they're trying to contact Will. That's what I thought, but I feel like they would need more. I hate to keep being this guy, <laughs> but so they send their agent out to this science teacher's house. So they've researched who the teacher is, who a teacher is. Mm-hmm. They have no idea that that he is so close to those boys and that those boys he gave them the radio and you know what I mean? And I don't think they need to though. So like, then they create this uh, science club cause they just, it seems like a huge leap. Okay. The, they were doing it on this radio that's in this school and he owns this radio and brought it to this school. So he must be very tight with the people who do this. And they are therefore obviously very intrigued by technology cause they're playing with the radio on their off hours, mm-hmm. which maybe is normal, just smart logic. But, and they create this flyer and go to him it seems like a huge risk that, th- that he would invite all kinds of kids that aren't the ones they're looking for. Right. Like, do you know any kids who might be interested in this? In fact, I do. And she's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like showing up. Like, do you know any kids it's, that like, she gets there and there's like checks. 48 students. And he's like, they love science here in Hawkins. <laughs> and she's like, fuck. <laughs> I gotta I mean, kill them all. It's an incredibly dubious plan mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. kind of single out this teacher that's doing good mm-hmm. you know molding the the youth of america and captivating their imaginations <laughs> through science and they're gonna use this passion that this guy has and love of his job to like track these kids down and probably kill them no oh for sure we I can assume i have no problem with the morality of it it's just the effectiveness of it that bothers me well and also you gotta remember this isn't no ordinary radio <laughs> <laughs> you can get all the way to australia that's true <laughs> i thought space i do recall that oh so, they would have probably heard them say like av club no this is president mike wheeler yeah but they weren't listening in maybe why are they that bored? Do they have that kind of staff? That kind Will, can you hear us? It's us at this Hawkins school in the middle of the AV club on the brand new. <laughs> I am a chubby to this kid. I don't know why. I just... Remember me, Mike? Mike Wheeler? <laughs> at 1805 Maple Street? That's another weird... I don't know. If, would this be a leap in logic where... The, okay, so they've done enough homework and they have enough evidence to be like, okay, we know the signal came from the, height, the, the school. Mm-hmm. We know that... It was on this machine. We know that it's from its owned or operated by this teacher. Is it that far of a leap in logic for them to not be like, okay, well, who are the three nerds that, you know, are in their AV club? They could have maybe, maybe we're assuming, okay, there's two possible things that get around this being any sort of thing for my asshole ass to be talking about. One, you could grant that they are grasping for straws and panic at this point. So they know it's a terrible plan. It's just one of many things they're doing, right? Which clearly, they, but no, 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 no. Okay, scratch all that. We know they know exactly who the kids are because they're also tailing them yeah. in the ETS vans. Mm-hmm. So that's, he's just a net that they're casting for the kids who they know for a fact. Okay, that makes sense. So they have done some background research. So we're just, they're asking us to put together the assumption that they've done a lot of really swifty background research and sleuthing and they know exactly who these three children are. So we're all agreed there. Sure. Mm-hmm. I feel kind of bad for the uh, the graphic design person that they're like, hey, Ted, we need you to make this really cool flyer to talk about <laughs> AV Club. Like, oh, wow, that sounds cool. Are we doing that now? We're not killing kids? Nah, we're still killing kids. This is a trap. Uh-huh. Well, here we go again. After I did the electric company logo, I thought I was done. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay. Social work assassin. Spares Mr. Clark. Thank goodness she needs him. Um, 
So then we cut to Dustin explaining to Mike that he must apologize with their Dungeons and Dragons rule, mm. uh, which is very cute. He drew for his blood. If you don't apologize, you'll be banished. Right. Do you want to be banished, Mike? No. Banished from the party. And he's like, I love how seriously Mike takes it. Like, fuck no, I don't want to be banished. That's, <laughs> that's extreme. <laughs> and, he, and he knows the rule, you know, he's like, sure. you know the rule, you drew first blood. <laughs> no, I'm not shaking his hand. Like... Don't bring like, up the Shanghai Claws now. You know, like, it's this right. very secretive thing here. Um, anywho, uh, it's very convincing. Uh, Dustin has, is deep in this episode, just mm-hmm. very beyond his age with maturity and emotional uh, awareness. But it's funny, like, he, he is the most mature and socially aware out of all but of them at this physically, point. And, but at the same time, he's only... He's, Oh, seemingly viewing the world through this Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. lens, like everything goes back to you guys. Remember we were, when we were on the whatever path of destruction mm-hmm. and we split up, and it didn't work out for any of us because of the trolls. That's happening right now. <laughs> it's and just it's, weird it's, to see that. It's a very deep concept, but it's like his method of explaining mm-hmm. is just like me dubious. Uh, I dig it. I mean, he's not wrong. He's not mm-hmm. wrong. He's clearly right. You're not wrong, but you're an asshole. Wait, that doesn't apply. <laughs> Uh, so we cut to a, a very abusive Karen. I feel like Holly, baby Holly, swallow the pancake. I'm like, <laughs> let her chew it first. Jeez, you just put it in her mouth. I have a young child. You got to let him chew for a while. <laughs> a and B, she said there was fucking blueberries in there. And there's clearly not. Yeah. Lying to her daughter. We got blueberry pancakes down there. Those are undercooked regular pancakes with minimal fucking syrup. Well, did you see the sass that baby Holly was giving her? Maybe she doesn't get the good pancakes because that sass. That's true. You got this one I made last week in the scene one from episode two that I put in the microwave, Holly. The actress playing baby Holly was clearly looking at her going like, uh, this is the pancake you grab from catering, bitch. I saw you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just that just freaked me out as you talked to Baby Holly there. Um, so then uh, uh, we cut, cut back to real quick Eleven uh, screaming at the lake, which is a wonderful scene where she looks into the lake and sees a reflection like a you know like Narcissus, and she goes to put her wig back on and then rips it off angrily like this is all a sham. I don't know why I was trying to be normal. I don't know why I was trying to have friends. Uh, I give up. I knew it was all bullshit. I'm She's a, a freak. Monster. I'm a monster. Rawr, you know, <laughs> much more scary than that little T-Rex impersonation I just did. Um, uh, that was a, that was a T-Rex. <laughs> it's a <laughs> quote from uh, Jurassic Park, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we have a T-Rex, but it was so beautiful how they were able to, and it's always Millie Bobby Brown. That's able to say all that. I'm not that smart. With just a wig rip mm-hmm. and a little, rawr. <laughs> and I got a whole shitload of dialogue and subtext. It's just, it's great. Um, just a real quick scene. Uh, cut back to mom again, creepy picking the lock to her daughter's room. Oh, it was awesome. Jumping very quickly to picking the lock, though. I felt like, like uh, she's still not down here for pancakes. All right, <laughs> let me pull out my lock pick kit, which in those doors is a very simple maneuver, just a puppy pin. But still, that's a really nice character development scene, though, because oh, yeah. you can tell that Karen. When you you can only imagine when Karen was younger, the shit she used to get into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. She knows too. how to pick yeah. a lock. Holy crap! That was yeah. It was like supposed to be like a uh, your mom is more than what you thought this whole time. You are more like your mother than you realized mm-hmm. moment, which was pretty dope oh that is great before Karen met Ted she used to party clearly see I didn't get that I just felt like she was a very overbearing controlling person 
So I mean, that could be that too. Uh, because <laughs> those locks are usually very cheap in a suburban house like that. And they're just push locks. Mm-hmm. So like when you're on the inside, you just press the button in and it locks. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on the outside is just a tiny hole just... and you can poke anything that fits in there and it'll unlock it. Mm-hmm. That's how those. Un- so I didn't take it like she had any sort of like skills. Uh... It was just like a. Oh, I totally like did. Disrespect like of her fucking the privacy. S- the sly way that she like, she's like pulling the bobby pin out from her hair. She's like, okay, I remember how to do this. You yeah. know, like, yeah. That's I, cool. I, that, that's a much better way to read that scene, I, I feel like. It. I mean, we, we also know that she doesn't uh, knock. Well, that's what the editing with the don't knock joke. I just felt like it was really pushing this overbearing mom thing. Because mm-hmm. his like, I didn't even understand that subtext with Jonathan when he said your mom doesn't knock. And he had this like cute little smile. Like, I don't know what that was supposed to mean. I'd be jacking off. So I'm glad, you know, I, mean, I don't know. I missed the joke there. And then we cut to fucking eat it, whore. And then we. <laughs> language. Tim's just like language. Let her chew it. I don't know. You guys are probably right. Uh, I was just negative Nancy in all of this whole episode. I apologize. I really love it. Um, it's actually one of my favorite episodes. It's what screwed up. I just had my toes removed and I'm upset. <laughs> It's a long story, audience. We'll tell you some other time. I'm in pain. Um, anywho, cut back to Lucas's house, which Andy alluded to earlier, uh, where they argue some more D&D points, mm-hmm. uh, the Bloodstone Path and all that. And we got a really funny moment where Mike tries to extend his hand after some prompting from Dustin. And then it cuts in time to the inside of the house with Lucas pacing. And we don't know why. We think maybe they're trying to decide something. Right. And then Lucas goes, all right, I'll shake your hand. So it, it was, I, don't, I didn't laugh out loud, but I wanted to. Because <laughs> it's really funny, like, objectively, that he spent 10 to 15 minutes trying to decide whether or not to take an already outstretched hand. Right. Uh, which is very petty and childish, which I loved. He didn't want them out in, out in the cold outside. Yeah. I mean, he, he knew he was like, going to take him. I wish we had seen that. Like, he's going back and looking at how it must have went. And he's just standing there with his hand outstretched. And Lucas just like narrowed eyes. Come inside. I'll think about it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and Mike just shrugs. Like, what? Whatever. So then they don't resolve. The, the fight continues because Lucas demands for resolution that you kick Eleven out of the crew forever. Because mm. the party to which Dustin is referring is just us three. And, and he totally and forgets Will because he literally right. says it's us. <laughs> Will's out too. He's banished. <laughs> Who? Because <laughs> I want to go straight to the gate and find Will, and you want to go find Eleven, who I don't like. Right. So anyway, there's that. <clears throat> he decides to uh, go out on his own. You know, he's that he's that aggressive type. You know, he's played to that type that entire series, and I really dig that. You know, yeah. he's uh, he's the one that's like, you know, what? fuck this, fuck this girl that we don't know anything about her right gross she knocked me out before made me cry i'm a little embarrassed and I, I, i'm gonna go do this shit myself you know i dig it well we get to get some insight from wise old dustin as to why lucas has been so mean this whole season well what do you think Shortly. about what do you think about mike's attempt to persuade lucas that they do need to find 11 where he's like she's just a weapon we need the weapon oh yeah i, I found that distasteful mm-hmm. i was very disappointed i mean i understand why he's going with that because clearly you can't appeal to lucas's empathy or care yeah. for 11 because mm-hmm. he clearly doesn't like yeah her. i kind of took it as a an argumentative like utilitarian device you know mm-hmm. what i mean like okay there's some practical angles i can get i know he's into the nam stuff he likes binoculars mm-hmm. and knives this is a weapon you know um but still yeah it didn't taste good mm-hmm. in my mouth seeing old mike call her weapon like that that's what she's been <laughs> he didn't like the metaphor <laughs> i didn't say mike didn't taste good 
<laughs> that would be inappropriate. No, because she's been treated like a weapon her whole life, you know? Yeah. So I just really don't like that. Yeah. I'm with you, Steve. Anywho, uh, cut to one of the best scenes in the show, I think. Uh, mm. I think two of the best scenes in the show are in this episode. This is one of them. Eleven goes shopping. Yeah. <laughs> Angrily. I don't know how she knew where a supermarket was or what was inside them, but we can grant all that. She's psychic. I don't care. Right. It's so dope. Yeah. She go, storms into the supermarket. Uh, into the freezer aisle, right to the fucking egos. Yeah, they edit out like walking through like bread and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, where do they keep the egos? And she's so disheveled and crazy looking, and she just does not care what she looks like. Uh, and it's a huge moment for her character because she's so timid of the outside, real working world. And now she's like mouth breather. Like, you know. And the guy seems like a nice guy. I felt bad. Poor Robert. Yeah. He's, yeah. Was his name Robert? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, just, he's just trying to manage this grocery store. He's a local. He's, you need help, little girl? Mouth breather. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's uncalled for. Not cool. <laughs> Don't call a nice general manager of a grocery store that. that he I'm doesn't no, make the dime. I'm no Donald. Okay. That's the other store. Uh, <laughs> the other story yes. is too. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm so. not a part of the night shift, madam. <laughs> <laughs> and then she grabs four boxes of Egos uh, and uses her psychic powers to gently push a lady's card into his way. That's 48 Egos. Uses her psychic powers <laughs> to open the doors of the grocery store. No, that was just the sensor that opened the door. <laughs> I know. Oh. Damn it, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Andy. <laughs> but it wasn't the sensor that closed no. it. No. Skadoosh. <laughs> That's what the doors did. <laughs> she just made Robert have a bad day. Robert? Yeah, that's all he did. That he's guy like, woke up in the morning, punched into work. You know, he's trying to help people find produce all day. And then all of a sudden, this bratty kid calls mouth breather and breaks the store and steals some Eggos. He's got paperwork now. Did she break the store, though? Did she? Uh, well, I mean, from their perspective, well, what the hell just happened? Yeah, you know, like just frumpy ass little girl with a shaved head and the worst, ugliest dress I've ever seen in my life. Storms in here, steals the shittiest food we've got. <laughs> and storm because in the you know I don't know if they were that big back then. I guess they were, but you know, storms right out, and then the the doors malfunction, you know, or something. Yeah. You, you gotta think probably uh, automatic doors weren't trusted very well in the 80s and he just thought just weird Still time for them to malfunction you know <laughs> uh, unless he was able to hear the sound design and, that we heard it's like, you know what was that? <laughs> that was weird noise. That's Robert. That's Robert's reaction uh, anyway moving along I'm very, I'm very uh, full of digression today I apologize which in itself was digression. That's the show. 50% digression, <laughs> 20% content. That's true. 30% chuckles. I, I lost the math. Uh, so then we hop on Terry Ives. <laughs> My notes are horrible. Jump on it. Jump on it. So Hopper finds Terry Ives, brings Joyce up to the house, talks to her sister, and they find out that Terry... Uh, what did you get? Did you get A? There's a couple ways to read that scene. That she's emotionally blocked, refuses to talk. The le most least likely reading of that scene, I, f I feel like. B, that the drugs have addled her brains and developmentally. and But she looks so young to have an 11-year-old daughter. Mm. Anywho. Or is 11 like 13? I don't know. Uh, or C, that Hawkins Laboratory got her again once she started the lawsuits and stuff. And like, for real, for real, addled her brains. So that they could blame everything as part of the cover up on her being uh, crazy. I think it's a combo of A and B. Uh, C is too much of a leap in 
development of the plot that just isn't there. There's no evidence for that it. They you came know? back for it. Yeah. Well, that like as a result of her attempting to sue and stuff, that they like came and well, messed her up even I more. I don't feel like it is because um, Hopper says. She's like, there's no birth certificate. There's no hospital records. And then he says, unless it's all part of the cover up. And she's like, mm-hmm. Terry would love your crazy ass. Right. So, and she was obviously well enough at one point to file a lawsuit or two. Yeah. So I feel like and it's less about- likely that she naturally progressed having done acid myself mm-hmm. into a, an adult state. And not only bring up the lawsuit, but clearly she has some sort of predisposition to talk about the man and conspiracies because her sister talks about like, that's how she was. I don't see why she would be left alive, though, as opposed to because like, it looks better that more. all of her claim. If she suddenly was killed, mm-hmm. it looks like lady who had lawsuit was silenced over missing child. Yeah. Whereas if you crazy suddenly hippie. go crazy, oh, crazy hippie was always crazy hippie, mm. and it was all bullshit. So she's uh, eleven. Same reason is, they left Hopper alive. Eleven is twelve years old. Right. They say that Weird. It's been, right. <laughs> they've been uh that she's been missing twelve years. Uh, multiple times. And the girl um the sister says at the beginning, uh if you wanted her to talk to you, you're about five years too late. Right. So she had seven years where she was okay and pursuing this, you know. Um so maybe she went insanely for mm-hmm. lack of her daughter. Possibly you yeah know what like I mean? a grief stricken thing like it's kind of interesting having the three people in the room, you know, um, her, uh, Terry, whose daughter went m- missing three because of the four have lost children. Yeah. And then Nan- uh, Nancy, who's, uh, or not Nancy, I'm sorry, Joyce, who's mm-hmm. currently missing her kid. And then, yeah, Hopper, who lost his daughter for good, you know, is like gradations of uh, grieving your lost child. Yeah, that is. All one room. That is very interesting. And then the, the bitch ass sister smoking a cigarette. Y'all's crazy for real. <laughs> just like my sister. She just sits there and watches the prices right all day. <laughs> Never guesses right. <laughs> what was that game show she was I don't know. Imagine was, game. Uh, that, that was in my egos. It's uh Family Feud. Oh that was Family Feud. Yeah. I was gonna guess that just for shits. You I let could... go his ego, Steve. Sorry. <laughs> so then um, I didn't recognize it without Steve Harvey. We cut, <laughs> we, we cut to Lucas gearing up, shoving his binoculars and his knife and uh, putting on his headband. Um, Dustin goes deep and explains why Lucas has been a little cock this whole show, which is something that I didn't really realize. I mean, Dustin is just very smart, very emotionally mm-hmm. intelligent person, very empathetic. Mm-hmm. He tells Mike, it's obvious, bro. You're his best friend. I'm not even your best friend. I'm like number three at best. Will's probably a distant four. We can be honest about that. I'm number three at best. He's like, nah, bro. We're all best. No, you guys are neighbors. I get it. Plus, I don't have any teeth. It's kind of weird. Um, so he's jealous because you all you care about is this girl now. And he's lost his homie. So he's just jealous, man. Yeah. Man. Wise beyond his years, for sure. Very wise. Uh, well, I thought it was a touching scene, uh, especially in a vigorous bike ride explanation. Uh, <laughs> He's just jealous, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so we cut back to uh, Solo Lucas after Terry's sister explains the whole story, which we just talked about. But there's a lot of backstory there that I hope you guys, you know, were paying close attention to about. So Eleven's name is Jane. Mm-hmm. Right. That's very important. Uh, and explains like, this. This episode is like the most expository Cause like Andy said, it just has to function on like, let's all get on the same page mm-hmm. and get on, you know, move forward from here to what we're going to do about all the stuff that we know about. Mm-hmm. Cause it, we're getting towards the end of the season. So they kind of have to make sure everyone's like, all right, we're at this, 
this is where we're at because mm-hmm. the next two episodes are all be, action. Yeah, that's true. I, just, I, I think the show did a great job of, of mystery and intrigue and opening up a, an insane amount of irrelevant seeming stuff and then having it all tied up by six. Yeah, which is very impressive. What were your guys' thoughts? Now, this is me being a negative Nancy. Mm-hmm. What were your guys' thoughts on when they're talking to about um, Eleven being Jane and they keep cutting from Hopper and uh, Joyce and what's the sister's name? The mm. Ive, the Ive sister. I don't know. They keep cutting from them two shots of Eleven that we've already seen where she's with Dr. Brenner. Or she's screaming or she's like. Didn't like it. I hated that. The, Didn't like the it. The powers montage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had, yeah, we already knew all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and as there were very cool shots. I didn't mind seeing again, but the effect was pointless. I felt like it was it, it was too on the nose for me. Like, mm-hmm. get it. We're talking about the only character on the <laughs> show that's exhibited any sort of powers. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, but also, I feel like, I don't know, if gave when, a, when, you're, when you're too on the nose, you either do one of two things. Either you're being on the nose and you're not treating your audience like they're intelligent. Or B, you're purposely setting it up for a misdirect later on. Yeah, like it, they treated it like a reveal. Like, remember these things that happened? They mm-hmm. were superpowers. And yeah. it was super, <laughs> wasn't it? <Yeah. laughs> Or whether it really obviously was. It was just one of the, yeah, it plays like a twist and mm. it's it's not at all yeah. um, I can't think of any reason to do that other than just like the editing team is like this is pretty sweet you know yeah. that's that's about it yeah I mean like I said it could be just them being way too on the nose and just hammering it home like this is a love and a love and this Jane or they're setting us up for like next season or sometime around we find out that they're not the same person and it's just like oh we made you think that because mm. we did this editing trip, I think the only thing I can think cheap. of yeah. is um, it's a realization for Hopper and Joyce who don't know that this kid has telekine- telekinetic powers but have seen enough of the supernatural to grant that so they know that a lot of what she's saying is bullshit is in fact true because mm-hmm. they fully believe that Jane does exist mm-hmm. they fully believe that Terry was right about MK Ultra and Hawkins Laboratory and all the cover up they're in on all that so the last little nugget of information that she has is that this kid also had telekinesis. They had to share this knowing look like that must also be true hmm. or very well could be at least. So it adds to the emotional resonance of their realization to have those cutbacks to Jane using her powers. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that makes sense as far as like why it would be there at all. Mm-hmm. Just. You know, just didn't be saying still don't buy it but hammer home that's I, nice I'm, you guys are being negative Nancy's I'm being a negative Jonathan <laughs> nice <laughs> he's been saving that for about 30 minutes I have I mean <laughs> it's a subjective art form <laughs> I don't think it's I, don't, I, I personally if I were a duffer brother I would be like no but I'm not but so yeah the you're third, just the third brother you're just a may <laughs> yeah just just may yeah. <laughs> me, me, me. <laughs> darn it I was going to say something else about the... Oh, do you think her name actually being Jane is kind of lame? Which is also like a... Jane Doe. Yeah, it's a generic mm-hmm. name. It's really... You know what I mean? If like awesome. I was 12 for a long time and you Mary were like, Jane. Your name is actually John. I'd be like, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I couldn't get Cassius or something, you know? Cassius. <laughs> Ca- no, not Cassius. Cassius. Oh my gosh, your name is Zebulon. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Right. Something. 
after all that damn waiting. I don't know. I think it's kind of endearing because if it was some outlandish. I like the name Jane, but it reminds me of G.I. Jane. Yeah. Jane Doe. What's her name? Who is also bald. That's what I'm saying. Throwback. Yeah, just doing the pull-ups. Demi Moore. Yeah. They could have called her Brittany if they wanted to refer to a bald person. (laughs) Circa 20... Ten? Sick aughts joke, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Oh, Indeed. Okay, moving on. <laughs> so then we cut to John and Nancy go shopping, trying to rival Eleven going shopping. Uh, they're in like a uh, Hillbilly Hunter store. Complete. Army surplus. Ah, oh, sorry. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Say it right. <laughs> Uh, with bear traps, which I didn't know they had at the <laughs> army, right. uh, a bunch of bullets and random mallets and hammers. Uh, she's feeling very swingy. She's testing them out. Like I love, she's testing the weight. Like she's killed a demigorgon before. Like <laughs> this wouldn't do mm-hmm. mm. with this cracked skull. Mm. It would, but it would leave it suffering. <laughs> like that needs, I don't know. I just thought I that was put interesting. It down. Um, very funny scene. I thought she's kind of a lame-o, like kind of dork. Like he was like very proud of his little future girlfriend there and like monster hunting. And then they're they're outside and John's like <laughs> monster hunting. Hilarious. Cause they haven't had sex yet, so he still thinks she's hilarious. You know? <laughs> Oh, uh, no, it's a pretty lame joke. Edit point, pretty. 48. <laughs> <laughs> um, anywho, do what you will with that joke. I think it's funny. I thought it was funny. Uh, but yeah, I just was very unimpressed by that exchange. Like, he's like, wow, you are a sassy lady. <laughs> I'm just like, that was super lame. What do you think, Steve? I do like where the conversation goes, though, where uh, he she's like, well, it was weird. The other day I was shopping for my friends and mm-hmm. now I'm shopping for bear traps with Jonathan Myers. Yeah. And he goes like, what's weirder, the bear trap or shopping with me? I, I thought that was kind of endearing, but you're right where he comes up and like probably a good two minutes after she made <laughs> yeah. that line. They paid the guy money, told him to have a great day. They'll see him later. Right. They go out to the car. <laughs> monster hunting. <laughs> That's crazy because we really are monster hunting. Like You got him. <laughs> I love the 80s. He thinks we're shopping. We're going to kill a bear. <laughs> I love how he doesn't care. These miners are buying all these weapons. And, you know, it's, it's the 80s and it's a hick town, I guess, is part of that, too. And, okay, at best, they're going bear hunting, right. you know. And yeah. at worst, they're going to blow some shit up and kill people and put them in bear traps and shoot them. And <laughs> he's like, hmm, have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I blew people up and shot them. I just love the the nonchalantness of doesn't he say like what are you kids doing with this stuff? Yeah, you guys got like homework. Like, <laughs> it's also and this is not funny, but I can't help but mention it. Um, harkens to a more innocent time where mm-hmm. you know kids didn't typically kill dozens of people with stuff like that. Can miners walk into a store and just buy cases of bullets now? Not now. Yeah. Mm. Um. Not now. I don't think they could buy a bear trap either. And if, you know, any adult seen walking with those things would unfortunately be suspect. And even though they're fairly innocuous objects, could be used for lots of very uh, practical things. Like bears. As <laughs> say, <laughs> practical uses there for and bear trap. heating their bears. double wide with the gas thing. And, you know. Totally. <laughs> Anywho, we digress. <laughs> um, 
So uh, we move to Nancy the Slut Wheeler, which sounds like a horrible wrestling name. (laughs) (laughs) Weighing in at 105 pounds, it's Nancy the Slut Wheeler. (laughs) (laughs) She roars like that. Uh, Can't wait to see your movie, Nancy. And she immediately puts together that something must be graffitied of me on the movie queue. (laughs) The marquee, I mean. (laughs) Which I thought was, again, maybe, I don't know. There's only one theater in town. That's right, believable. Yeah. So she begins to run a block and a half down. And Jonathan goes, wait, we were flirting pretty good for once. <laughs> Remember that time when you said, Monster said that we had a good thing going. Which I meant to mention, that conversation was a parody of their uh, argument in the woods. But it was a version that actually went well. Where she mentioned that he's a freak, yeah. and he was like, "I am a wait till you find out how big of a freak I am." You know, he wasn't insulted. <laughs> it was very endearing. You're right, Steve. So yeah, so they run down to the theater, uh, run into Steve and his ilk. I forget there. We actually knew the names of their compadres at one point. Um, Tommy H. Tommy H. Or something. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And, and Carol. Carol. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because Carol's my mom's name. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so they're uh, now. He's writing. Did you read what he's writing about? Jonathan? He's a perv? Yeah, Byers, Byers is a perv. <laughs> I love how they, they put Nancy on the marquee. Yeah. And then they're like, hey, we'll, we'll make down it in the alley. Down in the alley. Where no one will so see. So the homeless guy knows what kind of guy Byers is. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I just love when Nancy sees the marquee, that Nancy's a slut wheeler. They, it cuts to the passerby, and a girl walks by, and Larry goes, wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just truth. Yeah. Because it's up there. Oh, I didn't know that Because she's looking you, right at Nancy. Yeah. She's not looking at the marquee no, thinking, right. wow, who would do that to the marquee? That's a dick move. No, she's looking right at Nancy like, skank. <laughs> wow, didn't know you were a slut, and you made a movie, and you didn't tell me? All the right moves that you're in that? <laughs> Starring Nancy the slut wheeler. Um, yeah. Only I know all the right moves. <laughs> Steve does not because he goes down in the third. That's what I wrote down. And I do remember what that's about. Uh, they fight. <laughs> Jonathan they and Steve get into a to fisticuffs and we find out Jonathan, um, can throw down. He's got some very, uh, you know, deep seated depression that boils up. You're not going to take this shit anymore. Mm-hmm. You're attacking my girl, talking about my bro, talking about my dad, who is a piece of shit. But also mention my mom, who's a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. She just likes to smoke. And I'm not going to take it anymore with your nice quaffed hair. All right. It's not my fault I was born with these greasy lengths. Ha-cha! <laughs> this is for my camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gives him a couple. So they do a little tussle. And uh, uh, Tommy H. tries to step in. And Steve's like, nay. Get this out of is here. my Get battle, which is kind of honorable. You know, yeah. it doesn't turn into like a uh, Karate Kid jumpathon or something. He just gets beat down. <laughs> <laughs> karate Kid jumpathon. I'm just picturing the Kobukai Dojo going jump. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then the sociopath officers show up just in time. Uh, Jonathan was seriously going to hurt Steve. I feel like though, so I'm kind of glad they did show up. Mm. And then there's like this awkward, horrible law enforcement tussle where they get headbutted. Trying to pull Jonathan off, which is not procedure at all. Yeah, he's he's punching Steve pretty regularly, and the guy puts his face right in line <laughs> of the elbow. Oh, my uh, nose! Uh, face goes here. Nah. <laughs> These otherwise completely worthless cops show up like 15 seconds after this fight breaks out. In the like, middle of an alley. Or yeah. they might have already been called because of the graffiti. On oh, um, the marquee. So that's plausible, I suppose, there. Um, 
I like how the uh, the one guy, so he arrests Jonathan, and Nancy just stands there, and the other three run, and he leaves the dweeb cop to... He's like, I'm, I'm gone. He's like, Come I here, got this guys. one. <laughs> I got this one. You get those three much stronger looking fellows and the crazy girl. Why would you like leave that cop? Like, yeah, go get him, dude, who's clearly never ran in his life. Ever. <laughs> and has no emotions. Come here, little guys. I'm pretty sure the cop just showed back up at the uh-huh. station like, Steve got away. I killed the other two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I wouldn't check the bottom of the quarry again. <laughs> Eats bologna sandwich. <laughs> Gonna be full of cotton here soon, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, so then uh, Hop and Joyce get the jail call. I assume he's only got one phone call. That was a joke. It was on the walkie-talkie. So they call. That was really... Uh, I like It was on the nose, but I really enjoyed it. Where, you know, I don't got time for this shit right now. And it's like, it's Jonathan Byers. Which was kind of weird to say, but... Have you seen Joyce lately? <laughs> She's sitting right there looking at it. And it'd be funny if he was like... <laughs> She's hot. <laughs> <laughs> I just started saying all kinds of shit. <laughs> yeah, that'd have been awkward. <laughs> Anywho, you seen Joyce lately, sir? We know you've been spending a lot of time with her over now. <laughs> so back at the jail, we get some very uh, wise old lady wisdom, unasked for. So uh, Nancy's standing there, and the lady's getting some ice out of the the jail freezer for her to put on Jonathan's face. And this is back in the day in a small town with a jail. It's just where you sit at the desk and handcuffed and wait on mommy. Um, and maybe Kelsey because he's a minor. And she tells her, uh, <laughs> your boyfriend over there, da 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 She's like, he's not my boyfriend. Tell him that. She's like, what are you talking about? And she's like flattered by it. I'm like, what? What do you mean? Uh, first of all, you have a boyfriend. Don't honor that marquee. Uh, <laughs> 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 and she's like, only one thing makes you that crazy, honey. And that's love. And that's stupid, you know, mm-hmm. which is not true. There's many things that make you that stupid. Uh, methamphetamines. Uh, <laughs> In fact, um, <laughs> I, I would argue that Jonathan only hit Steve because Steve started talking about his dad and his mother. Right. Um, the whole time when he was talking about throwing shade at Nancy and his relationship with Nancy, he just kept walking. Like, but as soon as he's like, oh, you buyers sure are fucked up. He's like, oh, son, don't, don't go even your mom. Huh? Mama? <laughs> no? You're just like your dad. Oh, no one compares me to that, Lonnie. <laughs> I must have Larry. <laughs> or Larry. I don't like that guy from third grade either. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 mean, I guess one could argue that he was miffed in general, caught off guard because of his love for Nazi. <laughs> was like, only one thing that makes people laugh. Is that slow? I don't. I assume so. Yeah. I, yeah. I think so. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's Flo, what she looks like. <laughs> Flo knows best. All right. Flo, Flo says there's only one thing that makes a boy laugh at stupid jokes like hunting monsters. <laughs> yes. Boners. <laughs> so then uh, we catch a wild eleven. That's the next scene. Uh, I thought it was adorable. It's almost like a, she's a Pokemon. And you just want to throw a ball at her. <laughs> she's just sitting there huddled, With her eggos. huddled in a sea of Eggo boxes, all cuddled up in the woods, looking ravenous and eating ice cold frozen Eggos. <laughs> she's like, on her second box. <laughs> just stress eating, depressed. You know, at one point when you were a kid, like you could find yourself at that logical leap. Like, this is my life now. Yeah. I'm living in the woods with Eggos. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like that was a legitimate 12 year old idea. Like mm-hmm. I'm just going to get four boxes of Eggos, live on my own till I'm 18 out here in the woods. And then I'm going to find new friends that appreciate me. <laughs> you know, one of those good ideas. Mike Wheeler. Uh, and she hears them yelling. Oh, 
Alana. <laughs> Which is important because when she shows up to the rescue in the next scene, it's plausible. Mm. Uh, I just thought that was a nice little touch. Uh, cut to the second best scene. Well, no. One of the other best scenes in the show. Second of this episode, the quarry showdown. Um, well, the, those bullies <laughs> just show up out of nowhere. They're walking through the woods calling for L, and they're, they, he just busts out of the from behind a tree with his switchblade like, I caught you. I can only <laughs> assume they were like torturing a squirrel or something, <laughs> right. and then they heard them calling for 11. The little one was especially. Yeah. The, the larger bully seems to have some sort yeah. of semblance of a soul. Right. Or just... Knowledge of uh, felonies and yeah. you know, right. certain consequences. But he, he understands the difference between right and wrong. But he right. wasn't caused to pee in front of the entire school and therefore lose, lost his mind. That's true. Troy is now ready. What do I have to lose? I heard Jeffrey Dahmer was a normal bloke until he was forced to pee in front of the class. Psychically <laughs> squeezed his bladder. <laughs> He's like, look, everybody saw me pee. I've got zero friends, zero reputation. My tough boy asshole cred is shattered. I might as well stab this kid. <laughs> That's my only option and to be pushed, cool again. Push this one off the cliff. Because, I mean, it's the only way I can come out of this. I can be cool in prison or a loser out here. I guess that's his logic. His yeah. <laughs> Troy Dunn went insane. Because he puts a knife to, to Dustin and he tells Mike that he's got to jump off a fucking cliff yeah. into the quarry. <laughs> certain death. Why can't he just say, like, just pee your pants? Just pee your pants right oh, now. I'll pee, I'll pee on you. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'd have done. I'll, I will R. Kelly you. Just right here, right now. <laughs> At first he says, you. wet yourself. Yeah. Well, and he's that's being like, clever. okay, yeah. But then it's like, oh, that was playing words, dude. I didn't actually mean pee. He's like, <laughs> what if Mike was like, okay. No, I meant ew. <laughs> oh, we kind of ruined the moment. Uh, yeah, he could have just peed on him. All, all of them. Yeah. Dustin, pee on him or I'll cut you. You know, like yeah. that would have been a weird, twisted, I don't know, I'm rewriting the scene into a. <laughs> Different kind of movie, but uh, surprisingly, anyway. that makes it more of a Stephen King thing <laughs> in a weird way. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Eleven uses her powers to stop the pee. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see the cool uh, miming that I did, but I added, really felt like the pee was coming at your face with that. <laughs> it added a lot to it. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I gotta give props to Mike and his loyalty here mm-hmm. to save that boy's baby teeth. Uh, which that knife was not going to pry those baby teeth out. I mean, I don't think I don't. I don't think Troy's got the stomach for it personally. Right. I think Dustin was calling his bluff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dustin's kind of a gangster. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't need these teeth, Mike. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike's willing to. I mean, maybe he thinks he can survive because he's a stupid kid, but he's just like okay. Even with when he, very little prodding. He, even when he looks over the edge, he has to get a running jump to clear the rocks. There's cliffs down there. Yeah. He just steps off. Yeah. yeah. He, he, to have any remote chance of survival, he has to do a, at least a running jump. And he just like eh, one foot. He was toast. And if you look where Eleven caught him, so Eleven catches him with their powers. That's obvious. He was like horizontal. He was going face first. Like he was not even trying. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. complete faith. Like something cool is going to happen. The, the writers wouldn't let me die. <laughs> so, props to... I wake up every morning and put on this plot armor. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, so then, Eleven, which I think is the strongest use of her powers that we've seen outside of a flashback. So the last time she used her powers to that level was when she put the rift in the space-time continuum. Mm. And before that, when she killed the two guards. Mm-hmm. Um, up to now, all she's done is... Toss Lucas around. Float Millennium Falcons And yeah, she, she pushed Lucas Pretty hard uh, 
close the grocery doors. But that kid's a wuss. He doesn't weigh a lot. Yeah. Very small <laughs> child. Very small child. A little underweight. Um, looked like he was born early, at least three weeks. So you have an eye for this, Chris. I do. <laughs> I do. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just think that that was a huge effort, which she does fall to the ground a little mm-hmm. tired from lifting Mike and then breaks Troy's right arm, dropping the knife, pushes the bigger kid back, which is probably where she spent most of the effort. Uh, and then, big kid. then they flee. Yeah. And there is the most adorable little three-way hug that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I where love that hug. My, I know. I actually cried, which I thought was inappropriate. Like, that was a little too much, but I, it affected me that way. Mm. Mike comes up to console her, and she confesses that she's the one that, you know, put the whole, you know, I formed the gate, and I'm the reason your friend is gone. And uh, I, don't, I know you don't know Barb, but I'm psychic. I do. She's dead. Uh, all my fault, you know? All right. And he's like, it's cool. You saved me. You're you not a saved monster. saved me. I'm really selfish. <laughs> <laughs> I do love before before the hug, Dustin's like, yeah, you run, you sons of bitches. If you come back, our psychic friend will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> She'll kill you. She's crazy. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite lines in the show. Uh, we actually, Andy and I debated putting that in the intro. But it was just too long. It took up too much of the time. But and I love that line. Music behind it and stuff. Hard for the edit. But, um, yeah, that hug, man, when they all move in and then Dustin, it doesn't even, it's kind of funny, but it doesn't, it didn't make me laugh. It just actually broke me. And I started to cry when Dustin just laid on him like, yeah, and he does this little pat as the camera's panning out. Uh, anyway, we all know, we all saw it. I just want to talk about it. So yeah, that's, uh, that's the last note that I have. I don't feel like that was the end of the episode. Was it? Well, they, they walk home. And uh, Lucas notices oh. uh, the, the Hawkins energy, mm-hmm. energy uh, Hawkins power and light vans are part of the pe- the yes. the installation where the gate is, and he recognizes that they're tailing them. And as the the three kids, Dustin, Mike, and Eleven, are walking into Mike's house, we see one of the the main power and light guys get on the radio like, "I got eyes, they're on their way home." And Doctor Brenner storms out into their car. Presumably to go confront go time. Them. And then we see a caravan, mm-hmm. uh, a squadron of those power and light vehicles. I just realized something that the power and light Lucas binoculars was a reveal for the audience, but I had seen it before. So it missed me. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, power and light. Duh, Lucas. <laughs> just now found out that that's Hawking Lab. Jeez. <laughs> but that was a huge reveal for the audience. Probably the first time. Like, oh, shit. This fans we've been seeing are part of this cover up. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've seen the people getting out of those vans in various stages. So it's like, a, oh, stuff. they've been watching them for a while. Anyway, just thought it was good to take note. If you're on a first watch, don't feel bad. <laughs> but, it, but it is a good uh, way to ramp up the stakes because mm-hmm. Dr. Brenner's going with them personally. Right. So shit's about to go down. Not just the social worker assassin. No. But Dr. Cockwench himself. Cockwench himself. <laughs> yeah. Or was it Dick Winch? I don't remember. Uh, Andy, don't we have another segment that we can move on to after the recap? Since yeah, we, we talk about our uh, favorite favorite scenes in the show. Uh, we call it our chocolate pudding. We each take turns talk about our top three favorite scenes of the episode. Mm. So my number three for Chapter 6, The Monster, would have to be um, <clears throat> when Dustin uh, calls out uh, Mike for having drawn first blood and explains to him the rules, says... You know the rules. You drew first blood, and Mike's like, "Oh no, I'm not gonna shake his hand." All that it was. I just loved like the adolescent bro code of it. You know what I mean? Like you have these rules as kids amongst your friends, little things like that, and you know that's another just 
Duffer Brothers badassery memory moment where they're like, yeah, it totally was like that when you were a kid. You're like, oh, you don't do this and you do do that if you do this. And like, mm-hmm. if <laughs> it now if you shoot the basketball and it hits the rim and then goes out into the yard, we're fine. Anybody can get it. But if you airball it, then you got to go get it yourself. You right. know, little rules like, like that. Law. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that was just a uh, nostalgia moment for me. So it was my number three. And it's kind of sad because as you become an adult, it's like it hits the rim goes back into the yard you airball it and like you're 25 and you're just like no you have to go get it mark and he's like no <laughs> and he just drives away <laughs> i miss my childhood <laughs> anyway steve what was your uh, number three chocolate pudding uh my number three was steve versus jaybird in the alley mm. um i don't know i really like the scene um because you know it, it plays into a lot of what is going on with Jonathan, like we mentioned before, how he really kind of lashes out at Steve when he attacks his family and where he comes from. But it also kind of shows how hurt Steve is by the prospect that Nancy is cheating on him. Yeah. Again, I don't think his reaction to it is good at all. I think it's Mm -hmm. quite poor taste. Um, But you kind of see this hurt in the character's eyes that you haven't seen so far. Because he actually, in the beginning of the episode, he seems to really care for about her. Like, no, she's acting weird. I need to know what's wrong with her. And then he sees that, makes a couple bad assumptions about what's happening. And then he does a shitty thing. But you can see that he's like really, really hurt about mm-hmm. this. Good acting. Um, at one point, he like looks at Nancy and he's like, go to hell, Nancy. Mm-hmm. Like he He's very, very hurt. It says a lot about those two characters where, I mean, it's just a comedy of errors mm-hmm. on both their parts because mm-hmm. they're nancy's not telling him the whole story he's kind of jumping to conclusions because of that they're both in the wrong i mean steve more so because he he i don't know does he is he the one that marquee or graffiti's the marquee or do you think it's tommy h and carol and he's just kind of complicit by just being there and allowing it either to happen? way i mean it's arguable that he's 100 percent complicit but mm-hmm. yeah I think he's still a Tommy D-bag. H is the one doing the spraying, but okay. on that one we don't he, know who did the marquee say. though. Yeah, right. But we can only assume that everybody's doing a little spraying. Yeah, but uh, I ju- I just wanted to point out that uh, something we didn't talk about that is huge into what you're saying is uh, there's a line where he asks her just say it, Nancy, say what you were doing then if you weren't having sex. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And she can't. She can't say I was uh, monster hunting. Monster hunting. Oh dear. It would have killed with Jonathan. If he had. <laughs> <laughs> right. And there's this, this, she's like heartbroken, like, there's nothing I can say. So uh, it was pretty sad to watch. So what's yours? What's your number three? Uh, mine are all 11 based. I'm not even going to lie. I'm a complete sucker for Millie Bobby Brown. Uh, my number three <clears throat> is uh, her scream at the lake. Uh, I talked about it earlier, uh, just how much I got from her ripping the wig off and, mm. you know, no dialogue whatsoever. Uh, got a whole five minutes of subtext from that look on her face and I just absolutely love that performance in and out so I loved how they layered the uh, the close up where she's facing the camera onto the lake like you can kind of tell that it's two different shots and they like mm-hmm. layered in the uh, the face reflection thing because otherwise the camera would be like right there in mm-hmm. the reflection but it's really well done and cutting back and forth between the over shoulder of that shot and then the actual close up of it and then the badass but and I wonder how they did that but and, and maybe special effects but the badass like tilt up when the uh, when she does a scream and like her scream reverberates across the lake and makes yeah. all those ripples, it's dope. Um, so my number two would have to be uh, the rest of mine are uh, all eleven based. Uh, 
My number two would have to be uh, the mouth breather um, Eleven Go Shopping <laughs> scene. Uh, Eleven storms in, all being a badass. She intuitively knows where the egos are and goes straight for them. And uh, she uh, gives Robert hell, and he doesn't deserve it. Poor and I'm Robert. sorry, justice for Robert. <laughs> but uh, um, he was just doing his job. I just love the uh, the contempt with which she looks like down at you know like how you size someone up like look down and then look up into their face mouth breather and then just yeah. turns away yeah and it's a little badass moment. Robert ain't got shit on eleven. Da 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 da. I wish somebody would cut that music into that scene on the internet. I'm sure they have. Oh yeah. Da 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 da. Dun dun life. It's the motherfucking low glasses in a joint. Can we edit that and put it on the Facebook page real quick? Please do it, Steve. Steve, your number two. My number two is the Nancy sleepover in the beginning. Um, I really like the scene. The performance is really great. I, we, we mentioned before, I, I wanted to say earlier when we were talking about it, like how sad of a situation that is. Cause it's these two kids that are scared shitless out of their mind. They're literally up in her own house in the safety of her own home where her parents are in the middle of a calm neighborhood and they can't talk to anybody about it. Yeah. And they're just scared shitless. Like the one has a gun, like they're scared to go to, they're, they're scared to go, go to sleep. And I just thought that was such a heartbreaking just thought yeah. to have. And also interesting when uh, Nancy's mom tries to break in, they immediately grab hands. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, they do like each other, maybe. <laughs> it's a little instinctual there. Yeah. So that's my number two. All right. Wonderful. Uh, my number two chocolate pudding is also the 11 Ghost Shopping. Um, I've said enough about that, but it's just an absolutely wonderful scene mm. and iconic for the show, I, th- I should think. Oh, yeah. Uh, go ahead and say that. It's probably one of the most memorable scenes. So. Andy, what was your number one? Uh, my number one's probably the same as yours. Um, when uh, it, it's a big, long sequence, you know, it's hard to call it just a scene, but Mike jumping off of the quarry ledge, being forced at knife point, um, sacrificing himself for his friend, Eleven showing up uh, to save the day, um, cutting to uh, her. Uh, she blacks out after using her powers to save Mike. She uh, immediately cuts to the rec- recollection of having made first contact with the Demogorgon and, uh, you know, wakes up and she's all teary eyed and says, I'm the monster. And Mike says, no, you're not. And then they have their little adorable three way hug. And uh, it made me cry, too. It's good stuff. That's my number one as well. Wow. Yeah. We have a three way consensus. You want to say anything about it? Uh, that has you know. Uh, no, I think we've pretty much talk, touched on it. it. It's a great scene. It's a great uh, example of Eleventh Powers and their progression. It also it reinforces the bonds of friendship between the three of them specifically. But also, I just love that little exchange where she's like, I'm the monster. And mm-hmm. she, you know, she's not. She's not. Because mm-hmm. it, it really kind of shows her like episode arc. Because in the beginning, she looks at herself in the mirror and she's like, I am the cause of all this. I'm a terrible human being. I'm awful. She goes and she steals shit and she almost like has, she's almost living like an animal. Yeah. But then at the end of it, she has Mike and, and Dustin to kind of bring her back. Like, no, you're not a monster. This isn't your fault. You're a person and we love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike does. Dustin just likes you as a friend. We also <laughs> love egos. Yeah. We keep them up. Animals don't eat those. <clears throat> People eat those. I think specifically, <laughs> even though that touched me and I was crying, with the the hug and, and the uh, her admission of being the monster and all that, but when I what made it my favorite scene, uh, I'm a sucker for badassery, and the uh, the score, I guess the soundtrack, hmm. uh, I don't know, it was more of a score, 
when she first shows up and she's got her hand outstretched and just that look on her face. So we've only seen it a few times when she was sassy as fuck when she made Troy pee and she flipped her hair and she had a moment of normalcy and she wipes the blood off all mm. gangster. Um, she did it a little bit uh, in the restaurant, mostly when she called him a mouth breather is when her attitude face was on. Uh, and then as she's coming up and she mm. just does that head flick, you know, yeah. uh, snaps his arm. I love that 11, you know, the 11 mm. that's not to be fucked with. Um, anyway. When she turns things up to 11. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> bringing it back. <laughs> if you listen to all of our episodes, there's a couple of jokes. Uh, I specifically reuse a bunch. Uh, I forget it was trying to tell Andy one time. Half an ego. Yeah, there was like two episodes in a row where I was like, I don't have much. I got one here. It's more of a half an ego, like 11 took a bite. <laughs> and then like the very next episode. Monster hunting. And then same. both of them, you say, like a go. Yes. <laughs> so you mean a go? You did that both times. It was super funny. We're nothing if but reliable. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of goes, uh, we've got another segment, the Easter Eggo Hunt, where we try to find as many of the Easter eggs and references in the show as we can possibly find. And where we cannot find them, we make them up. <laughs> Steve, what do you got? Uh, in the scene where she goes and torments poor Robert, um, in the background, I noticed the, the, the great hamburger helper glove. Oh, I did nice. not notice that. He was very, he was very prominent because that's really the only kind of... Uh, product placement that I noticed in the grocery mm-hmm. store other than Eggos obviously but yeah. yeah there was that glove front and center <laughs> nice. in one of the scenes okay Andy what you got um, this is sort of an Eggo sort of not but in sticking with that scene I noticed that the um, set design on it was so thorough that even the prices of the things that are shown reflect the times I noticed that a pound of turkey was 88 cents Whereas it's like That's six great. to eight dollars today, so like they adjust for inflation in their uh, <laughs> setting stuff up for the uh, or in the past. That's awesome. Um, and they had like a roast that was like a dollar eighty nine, and that's like fifteen bucks now. Yeah, and yeah. This is, I thought that was pretty clever. If you're rich in the early eighties, <laughs> um, seriously, can I bring my bank account to the eighties? Yes, right. you can. I'd be okay. You didn't hear about this time traveling bank accounts? Oh, what? Apple just developed it. Uh, you gotta wait for the update. I go on a honeymoon and I miss everything. <laughs> uh, the, the Karate Kid reference, I guess, is the best one that I found. Uh, when Lucas puts on the bandana, which was camo. It wasn't what the Karate Kid used, but mm. yeah, very overt, like, da-da-da-da-da, you know, wax on, waxing off, going there. Mm. So, <laughs> that was Mr. Miyagi reference. Try to keep up. <laughs> Steve, another anger from you. Um... There were two songs that I that I found. Uh, there was Corey Hart's "Sunglasses at Night." Hollow notes, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this was playing when uh, Steve runs up to check on Nancy and sees a good Jay soundtrack Brander. for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's a good song. Yeah, it's it one is. of those songs that you forget that you yeah. like, and then you'll hear it on the radio, and I'm like, "Oh fuck yeah!" <laughs> also, <laughs> where am I? <laughs> and then uh, Dolly Parton's uh, "The Bargain Store." Uh, was playing during the... I love uh, that you're a Dolly Parton fan. It's called The Bargain Store? The Bargain Store, yeah. Oh, when they go to the Perfect. Army Surplus. How good is that? Yep. Actually, the the White Stripes do a cover of that, and that's how I know it. I nice. like them. Mm-hmm. Nice. Andy, another ego from you. Um, this uh, ego has been prevalent throughout the series, but uh, it's the first time I've ever actually been able to see the uh, 
logo of it. The radios that Lucas and uh, Mike are using are realistic uh, TRC-206 transceiver radios. They were developed and on sale from like 79 to 84. So they uh, nailed it as far as like the time period and what those kids would have. They were, yeah. they were expensive they for probably that time. Would have been expensive, they were yeah. like $130 in Which the Which is 80s. like $400. Yeah. So it's like a PlayStation 4. These kids come from affluent families yeah. for sure. Yeah. Man, Andy doing some actual research <laughs> on the Echoes. No, he just knows uh, the Heathkit Hamshack, all that. He's just very into <laughs> He's really into the into <laughs> radio. It to figure out when it was made. devices. Yeah. Andy, how sad were you when Radio Shack closed all those doors? <laughs> there was a Radio Shack in the episode. Did you see that? I saw it like in the little strip mall. Like, oh, no, hey, I didn't see that. Radio Shack in the distance. No, but that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I went looking for a Radio Shack right before our wedding because I needed like a really long um, cable for something we were doing at our wedding. And I was like, Radio Shack should have those. And I'm like, what's the closest Radio Shack? In my- oh, there's none. <laughs> yeah. Did you really look for a Radio Shack? Yeah. But wow. yeah, was, that was uh, heartbreaking when you, you, to answer your question. Do you remember Circuit City? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Media Play? I, oh, media play. Wow. The I, yeah. They had everything. They well, not had enough. Everything. Right. <laughs> I had a friend of mine who worked at a Circuit City for one day. <laughs> and then it closed. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> he was there at the very end. This is Why your first him? and last day. Please <laughs> read this manual. <laughs> we just need you to clean up. Uh, I thought it was, this is probably a stretch, but I thought it was very, so when uh, Nancy is taking a shower, um, I thought it was very much like the Carrie scene. Which the whole opening sequence oh, of Carrie is in the shower and period, yeah, and starts her period. Oh, okay. Uh, and obviously, there's some nudity and stuff in that one, mm-hmm. so it's a little different. But I mean, there's a lot of shoulder up shower, you know, actress shots in history, uh, mm-hmm. a psycho. Um, mm-hmm. But it just like I said, sometimes we stretch them, and I, I was struck by that. Just the framing of that shot seemed like that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, any hoozle. Uh, Steve, you got any egos left? Uh, one more. When they go and talk to um, Terry Ives' sister. And she's talking about, um, you know, the she's mentioning this, the psychic powers and all that. Stuff. She's and like, you guys read Stephen King? Yeah, that was very tongue in cheek. I, I very much enjoyed that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Andy? Um, Echoes. Echoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Uh, another obvious low hanging fruit one is uh, when uh, the kids are trying to make amends with the, uh, Lucas, they... Uh, are trying to convince him that they do need 11 they say we can't just go out there on our own what do you want to fight him with the wrist rocket that's like r2d2 trying to go fight darth vader mm-hmm. which is yeah a low-hanging fruit one vader would lose <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely beep, boop, beep, boop. as we learned in the prequels r2d2 can fly he's got little jets and he's got a little shocker thing he's got, and he's got all kinds of his skills came from the shocker <laughs> um <laughs> let's see and my <laughs> Um, little one, uh, I noticed that Lucas had a, uh, ammo canister from Vietnam on his, uh, nightstand when he, uh, is sitting at his house all sad and stuff before the kids show up. Um, uh, <clears throat> I thought that was good. And my last one is, uh, there is a photo of the white rabbit from Alice in Wonderland in Eleven's room or Jane's room, her little bedroom. Mm. Which I thought was good. Oh, like, like the room in... Terry's house. Terry's house. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Little, nice. Uh, Nicely done. Going down the rabbit hole kind of thing with 11. Pretty dope. Well, that's all of the egos that we were able to find. 11 ate the rest of them at the grocery store, uh, which was a very old Radio Manny corny joke. <laughs> 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 oh, Chris, stop it. You just, you're a riot. Monster hunting. 
so follow us for next week. Uh, well, it should be a week. A couple days. A couple days-ish. We'll be recording Chapter 7. Uh, please, like I said, if you can support us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app um, and subscribing, that would be absolutely wonderful so that other people can find us. You can email us at streamingthingspod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at streamingthingspod. Uh, follow us on Facebook at Stranger Things Podcast. Don't know how we scored that username, but we did. Pretty dope. And uh, yeah, that'd be wonderful. So thank you so much. Have a wonderful evening. And that's about all we have for tonight. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And my name is Chris. <laughs> and I'm, also, I'm still Andy. <laughs> and I'm Stu. Streaming things. Streaming things. Streaming Did you get that crazy bitch to blow you yet? <laughs> we know what happened once. <laughs> Did you eat the last donut too, by the way? Because Flo's pissed. <laughs> Over. <laughs> yeah. Steve, I saw you coming back for a radio joke, and then you let it die. I let it go. I was like, mm, no. I got nothing. Edit point. <laughs> 56. We're just rapid firing these edit points today. Uh, um, and then, what's the status on this? <laughs>